Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, welcome back. Thank you. You too. Thank you. We've, we took a little bit of a summer hiatus. Uh, Dave and I were on respective vacations with our families, not together, just kind of crossing over time. And um, we've had, what, a week and a half off. So didn't record a podcast last week, but we're happy to be back. Indeed, we are. And did you have a good time on your vacation? I did. I did. It was uh, 12 days in Florida. And I know your thoughts on Florida. We've talked about it in your Why I Hate Summer podcast last year. Yes. Um, but it it was the longest we've ever been away. We were away for almost two weeks. Um, and it was the first time that I really let myself completely relax so I didn't feel compelled to like hit every tourist thing in the area. We really just went to the pool, went to the beach, ate s'mores and went to bed. That sounds so good. It, it was a great day. It was actually, it was a little bit of a more relaxed vacation. I think because we were down to one child during most of the vacation yes. because my oldest was at his sea turtle internship, which was the whole reason that we were there. That sounds really cool. Did he have a good I, time? He did have a good time. He had a wonderful time. And I learned that life really is easier with one child. I love both of my children, but my stress level goes down substantially when it's just one that I have to deal with. So, Same thing for my... us with three. When you go from three to two, it's a huge difference. When you go from yeah. two to one, it's a huge difference. I and mean, it's not that I, I didn't miss my 12-year-old because I really did. But there was no bickering. There was no fighting. The four-year-old wasn't screaming and looking for attention. He had all attention the whole time. And like within two hours of my 12-year-old Robbie coming back into the picture, it was they were fighting already. And I could feel my anxiety level going up and up and up. <laughs> That's like, how it is. Now, here's, I guess. here's the most important question. When cooking s'mores in Florida. Yes. Do you need to use a fire or do you just put everything onto your hand and let it all melt? <laughs> I, I put them over a fire, but I probably could have put them outside to melt. It was, it was definitely warm, but it wasn't as hot as it's been other years. So, I mean, it was, you know, low nineties, which wasn't too bad. Well, I've, no rain. I feel like right this now, has been like, yeah, I feel like the weather we're getting right now in the Northeast, we may as well be in Florida. It is that humid. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. I can't handle any more rain. I don't think my house can handle any more rain. We've already had, you know, the basement flooded right before we left. Oh, that's nice. Trees are down. So I'm not loving this summer in Virginia right now. Yeah, I, those are all valid reasons not to like it. So how was Aruba? Aruba was great. I spent, uh, I spent most of my time in the shade reading voraciously. As uh, anyone who subscribes to our newsletter knows, because I highlighted a few of the books that I read. I actually read 10 books in 10 days. So I was spending uh, probably like six or seven hours a day reading, which I love. And I even got in a few workouts. I was able to, I tried to wake up early before the sun really breaks the horizon there and, and walk for an hour a day, which I, I think I managed to do at least half the time, close to half the time. I am very impressed. So I didn't feel like a complete slug afterwards. It's really hot there, though. The sun comes up, and it's like, wow, uh, maybe this walking thing isn't such a good idea. Oh, so today's podcast is actually, I think it's a fun one. 
uh, today we wanted to kind of ease back into real life after vacation and, and things like that. And I know if, if you subscribe to our newsletter, ampedlife.org slash subscribe, um, you will know one of my small victories that we're going to talk about in today's news or in today's podcast. Um, but today we're going to go over kind of the little things that, that, you know, you look back on and go, yes, I did it. Um, so Dave, do you want to set us up? Sure. You know, I think, I, I think one of the cool things about this topic, Peggy, is that the reality is that the vast majority of people with limb loss and difference are not going to win Paralympic gold. They're not going to set a world record. They are not going to climb Everest. Um, and really the big victories are the ones that often seem very small at the time or that develop over time and you don't even realize they are a victory till you look back at them. And so this is kind of a, this is sort of like my old, my old blog that I no longer really offer new posts for less is more type concept, but it's the little things and paying attention to the smaller achievements that matters. And so in this episode, we're going to share some of those moments with everyone for ourselves personally. And we will, of course, invite everyone else uh, who listens to this podcast and who's part of the AMPS community to uh, feel free to send in their thoughts after listening to this about what are the what are the little victories that meant a lot to you? Because I think these these sort of almost way stations along the path of of the life with limb loss, limb difference are the ones that end up meaning the most. Absolutely. Um, so for this podcast, Dave and I both uh, compiled a list of three small and other, maybe when other people don't really know how much it meant to you or how much it means to you, they're considered small victories by most standards, but again, that they mean a lot to you personally and maybe to your family. So um, I'll start with my yes, three, Dave. So my first one is I completed a 5K race by running, not by walking, um, which is ironic because I am not a runner. I wasn't a runner when I had both of my biological feet. But for some reason, uh, several years ago, I think Robbie was forced, probably eight years ago now, um, I decided that I was going to run the, the Susan G. Komen 5K race in D.C. And... Um, I was going to do it with my new sport prosthesis and, and I was very out of shape. I've never really run before. Uh, so I trained and I trained for about four months and I actually completed it. And it was really, really special. Um, I've never run again and I probably won't because I also rediscovered why I hate running. And it really has nothing to do with the fact that I'm running on a prosthetic leg. It has to do with the fact that I just absolutely despise the activity. So how did you, but if you don't mind was, interrupting for a sec, how did you, you know, running a 5k race as an amputee is a pretty demanding endeavor. I mean, it's even if you're not an elite runner, you know, going from zero to, you know, literally zero to I'm going to now run five, you know, five kilometers over three miles. How did you, how did you set up a training schedule? How did you decide to do this in a way that you didn't just demotivate yourself right off the bat and end up bailing out? Okay. So, um, I signed up for it and then I publicly declared that I was doing it in my blog. So then I felt that that held me accountable and I started just by trying to jog to the end of my driveway. 
Uh, actually, I had intended that morning to actually jog all the way to my mailbox, which is about a quarter of a mile away. And I got to the end of my driveway and I was huffing and puffing and I realized, all right, I'm a little bit more out of shape than what I anticipated. So um, every day I just tried to push myself a little bit further, uh, ended up just jogging through our neighborhood, kind of a walk, jog pace, um, really started seeing, you know, it was good for me because it got me outside of my little, you know, my little hole in my house. Um, we're kind of isolated where our house is and, and had me interacting with our neighbors. And then I decided uh, that I needed to go for the distance a little bit more. And we happened to have a 7-Eleven that's 3.5 miles away from my house. So I was motivated um, to jog there. And when I finally got there, I was going to get myself a Slurpee. So that was my motivation was every day I would try to run a little bit farther and a little bit farther. And then um, my husband would come and pick me up when I couldn't make it, couldn't make it, couldn't make it. And then finally, one day I managed to make it to the 7-Eleven for my Slurpee. And uh, ironically, the Slurpee machine was broken that day, but I still made my made my accomplishment. And that's how it I is, knew I'd be able to. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I like the I like the Slurpee reward mechanism. Um it's pretty it's pretty amazing when you start doing running of any distance when you begin to figure out how much of it is actually mental versus physical because the physical stuff once you get to a sort of a certain level of conditioning which you probably got yourself to you know in the first 30 to 45 days but you get to a point where it's like all right you know my my body isn't really betraying me so much it's really it's all in my head and it's just it's a miserable you know from I feel the same way about running I, I've done I've done distances ranging from 5k all the way up to the longest run I ever did was about 13 miles. And on any of those runs at any given point, it's sort of just the the mental, it's the mental strength to say, I don't feel so great. And I'm just going to keep doing it, even though it kind of hurts is what pushes people through. And I think people who are really elite runners, they're wired differently when it comes to that. I think so too. I hated it. I mean, I hated every moment of it. The best part of the 5k was for the very last part of it. Uh, Robbie, who was quite little at the time and my niece, uh, who were there as well to cheer me on actually ran onto the road and finished the race with me. So that was a really, really cool moment. Um, and kind of my own little celebration. And then we went for ice cream because, you know, that's <laughs> well, how we rolled. Well, you deserved it. Um, <laughs> I did deserve it. I didn't get That's my Slurpee. Awesome. I was going to get ice and cream. And so how did you, besides ice cream, was there, I mean, what, what did you feel like when you were done? Um, I, I felt really good. I did. I did not have that feeling of, I want to do this again. I really had a, a feeling of concrete um, accomplishment yeah. with no desire to keep pushing it. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's a good one. That's a, that's, by the way, that yeah. is almost a borderline big victory. It's on the threshold in my view. I think a 5K race for a, a lower extremity amputee of any age is a big deal. Okay. It was a big victory for me. You know, my sister runs marathons. So compared to what she does, it's nothing. But um, it meant a lot to me. I felt like I needed to prove it to myself. And I really wanted to show show yeah. my kid that that I could do it. Um, which kind of is the whole reason that I have my number two small victory, which is I really, really enjoy dominating this is an at the playground. One. Please explain. 
Yeah. So um, I I love it when I go to playgrounds and, you know, all of the moms or, or in this area, a lot of nannies are sitting around and they're on their cell phones or chatting or FaceTiming or whatever. And the kids are kind of just running loose. And I love being that mom who like gets on the equipment and plays with the kids and we'll play tag and soccer and baseball and go up and down the slides. And I, well, I found out I can't do monkey bars anymore because I have apparently the upper body strength of a worm. But other than that, I can do pretty much everything at the playground. And I just, I don't know. There's something about it that, that really gets me pumped up to kind of be the, be the parent out there with the kids really playing with them. Um, It's kind of my own little, I'll prove it to the world moment. Even if nobody's thinking that I need to prove something, I feel like I I want to. And that, and you're putting yourself out there, right? I mean, there's a, there's an element of that, which is I'm going to intentionally expose myself to the view of others and just take that on. So it's, it's a, it becomes a way of controlling your own narrative. So I think another reason that, that I've become maybe overzealous at the playground is because I really want to portray the limb loss and limb difference community in a positive light because you really, you never know who's watching. Right. And I've had it happen where I've been playing and then, you know, somebody will approach me and tell me about a neighbor or a friend or a family member who just, you know, just lost a limb. And I feel like if they see an amputee being active and engaging and being physical, um, it, it just, it shows everybody in a good light rather than, um, the expectation of, oh, she only has one leg. She's going to be sitting and not doing a whole lot. So I really feel like, I don't know, I want to take that opportunity to, to prove to myself that I can still be the fun mom, I guess. And to, for some reason, prove it to the world that, that, you know, amputees can still be really, really active. Yeah. And as much as you and I hate being, quote, inspirational, close quote, it is really gratifying when someone does come up to you and say, hey, you know, it's really cool that you are doing X with your kid or great to see you out here doing this. You know, there's a big, I think there's a big gap between inspiration and simply acknowledgement that you're doing something that, that, you know, maybe people just didn't expect you to do. Exactly. And I love that. I love those moments. And it makes my kids feel good, right? They they like having, uh, right now, they like having the cool mom that participates in plays. Um, so I can do it. And if the truth is, Dave, if I had gone down a different route and kept my biological foot, but had it be so mangled and injured, there is absolutely no way I would be able to play on the playground with my kids, so in a way, when I do it, it's kind of an affirmation that the amputation was the right decision. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I yeah. think that's really, I think that's pretty insightful. So, and my last small victory is is not going to seem much to most people, um, but to me, it meant the world. And I actually, I think it deserves an amped drum roll. Do we have that? Oh, uh, yeah, hang on. Let me just get back to where I need to be. You're looking Sorry. for... Well, we have so many things to choose from. We can have this. Oh, no, that's for like a joke. Okay, here we go. Ready? Yeah. I love it. That's the best I got. I got, I know, but it's tradition now, so we'll go with it. All right, hang on. Let me do it again. I'm going to tee you up for the scene. Ready? I'm ready. 
the turtle trek of 2018. So, so Dave, if you remember last year, and our listeners may remember, we did a whole podcast of when it's okay to to not participate. Um, and and the inspiration for that was my decision to not go out on the turtle trek of 2017, which to maybe set the stage a little bit. My 12 year old is like crazy into turtles everything turtle so last summer we went to florida just so he could participate in this eco tour where he went out at night and watched the little sea turtle nests and hatched and the little turtleinis came out and went to the ocean is that what they're called is that the official name turtleinis that's what we call them i don't i think they're just called turtles but oh i just (laughs) i like turtleini better i like turtleini so we stick with it in this house um so that was the whole reason that we went to Florida last summer. Um, and I was all geared up to go on this turtle track with him until I started reading what would be involved physically with this turtle track. And I did not realize that it could be up to seven miles walking at night on the beach for six hours. Um, and I hate walking on the sand. I absolutely hate it. And I just, I really didn't think physically I was going to be able to do it. So I sent my husband instead. So we had a whole podcast basically trying to make me feel better for for not doing it. <laughs> That's overly simplistic. <laughs> the purpose of the, it was not a therapy session for you. Well, it was, we, <laughs> we had a podcast acknowledging that there were times where it's okay not to do certain things. Right. And it was okay. And I want to stress that, that, that I don't feel like I have to do everything. But what happened was my son and my husband went out on this turtle track and they saw the little turtleinis hatch and it absolutely transformed my 12 year old Robbie, um, changed his entire life really in that moment. And I wasn't there because I wasn't physically, I didn't feel like I was physically strong enough to do it. So that night, I vowed that if we ever had the opportunity, I was going to be there, no matter what it took. Um, came back last summer, started working out, started getting in shape, started eating better all through the winter, lost about 45 pounds, just really trying to, to keep this stupid turtle trek like as my goal, right? That's fantastic. Um, so... This summer, my son was invited to actually participate in the internship program down there. And on his final night, he got to kind of host this turtle trek. So I signed up for the turtle trek that Robbie was hosting. And I was able to go on the beach for, you know, countless hours at night with the kids and to watch the little turtleinis hatch. And um, it was just, it really, it meant the world to me. I know that that to anybody else in the crowd, it meant nothing. But to me, it meant the world because I felt like I had redeemed myself. That's fantastic. So that is my turtle trek experience. And I saw the little turtle in his hatch. And he, so because he was now trained through the internship program, he was actually able to pick them up when they go towards the light of the city instead of the ocean. And I want you to know that he named a turtle Dave and he named one Kara as well. <laughs> so little Dave Turtle and Kara Turtolini are swimming in the ocean, hopefully, if you if you weren't eaten yet. <laughs> well, that's that's very nice of him. And I would like to say that these turtles probably move faster than I do. Oh, I don't know. 
That's really cool. That's good for him and you. So, yes. Yeah, so that was my victory. Well, congratulations. So, I think you. those are noble little victories. Thank each you. one of them. Thank you. All right. So my list. Um, the first one for me is something that I have struggled with for years because I was I was very physically active my whole life before my accident and. Since becoming an amputee, I have thrown myself into different activities at different times and have never really found something that I love to do the same way that I love to play team sports, particularly when I was a kid. And so that's always been frustrating to me. And there's, you know, this sort of reality based um, desire to also just find an activity that allows me to not become a huge gelatinous blob. And so I struggle at different times of the year, particularly with just finding what can I do to exercise. And I've done lots of things in the past, but for me this summer, just sort of getting into a groove where um, I I wake up early in the morning, I walk three miles. Um, it's pretty hilly terrain around me. So I get a pretty good workout, even though I don't walk fast, especially the second half of it, because it's all uphill. Um, so, you know, doing that, and then I've tacked onto that, Peggy, about an hour of swimming. I have a pool, and so I have an hour of swimming every night that I do, um, which is, you know, adds up to two hours of activity a day that I wasn't doing. And it's not hardcore physical stuff. It's pretty boring, frankly. Um, when I'm walking, I can listen to podcasts. When I am swimming, all I am trying to do is not forget what lap I'm on. But um, it's, you know, when you're all done with that, you feel really good. <laughs> and so That's awesome. Just sort of having that, being able to get that continuity and that drumbeat of every day doing at least one of those two things and on some days doing both of them uh, is has been really gratifying and uh, makes me feel slightly better about myself, especially when um, th- this is the way I-, I measure these things, Peggy. You know, I, I have clothes that I wear when I am traveling for business that um, I'm not wearing every day and you know, certain times of the year, they tend to get fairly snug or I have to get new ones. And I put on the stuff that I've got that's, you know, was getting really tight a few, about a week and a half ago. And I was like, oh my God, I can tighten a belt around these now because otherwise they'll actually be really loose. So that's how, that's how I, (laughs) that's it. So it's, uh, it's incremental progress. So that was really cool. Um, my next one actually goes back a little ways, but and it has nothing to do specifically with limb loss. But it was I, I have I have played in my son's band as a sub on several occasions, but about two years ago now, I guess he was a senior in college, a senior in high school, excuse me. Um we played a song. We each, you know, we each had a guitar and we sang a duet together um at a school event. And I can tell you it's much scarier to get on stage and sing when you don't have lots of loud crap happening behind you. Like I did when I subbed in as a band member for him, um, where you're really like, you're half the focus of attention. And the even more terrifying thing is I get on stage with this kid and this is a kid who lives on stage. He's just really comfortable. So he's sitting there and he's, he's talking to me in kind of the relaxed manner that I talk to him about a lot of things when he's mm-hmm. nervous. And I, my brain is, is basically in shutdown mode. You know, everything's happening way too fast. I can't keep track of what's going on. And all of a sudden we're playing the song and he's just like, he's in it. And I feel like I'm sort of this, 
I'm orbiting him a little bit and um, in danger of spinning out into into the galaxy in a in a weird tangent that will not be good for either of us. But um, we got through it, or I got through it. He was fine. Um, but the act of getting up in front of you know hundreds of people and singing, which I'm not a great singer, I can carry a tune, but I'm not trained. And I, you know, my son is a classically trained vocalist. Like he sit, he sings in choirs in addition to doing rock music. He's really talented. And so I'm on stage with this kid kind of just trying to keep up. And, uh, it was, it was terrifying. And when it was over, I didn't think it was good. Like I was like, I wasn't good. You know, I got through it, but there is that feeling kind of like you on the playground. There's that feeling of, I just did something that, you know, it took some courage to do. And that in and of itself has value. That's awesome. And it's neat that that your son was comfortable and you weren't. So he, he was kind of a little bit of a role reversal, right? Oh yeah. So with parent child, what a cool, what a cool experience. Yeah. There's no question. He's just in his element there. What Uh, song did you sing? We sang a song by, by a Scottish trio called Biffy Clyro. And the song was called black chandelier. Okay. Never heard of it. No, you never will. Okay. Better than Bon Jovi. Um, Even better than the Wiggles. I was going to ask. I I didn't want to, you know, put that comparison out there, but <laughs> it's a little too soon still with our post Super Bowl bet. <laughs> <laughs> still recovering from that. I bet. All right. All right. Let's do and your then, last one. Do you want to? Do you want a drum roll for yours as well? No, I don't think so. I think yours was better. Maybe I'll do here. I'll do what's appropriate for mine. Mine would be better served by let me just see what else we've got here let's try this i think that's better for me just the rim shot (laughs) so my third thing is and this has again this isn't limb loss specific though i think probably my amputation has helped me get here faster than i would have otherwise i have as i've gotten older and as i've been forced to deal with the reality that I can't do everything that I want to do myself all the time, exactly the way I want to do it. What I found really interesting, and this helps me as a parent, it helps me in my day job, it helps me as a husband, is realizing that it's not my job or I shouldn't be trying to fix everything for everyone. I shouldn't be the guy who's coming up with all the solutions. I should, I'm much more helpful and I'm much happier when I'm Instead of being very directive and saying, oh, you're having this issue, do I? Uh, I'm much happier when I simply listen, ask questions, and help people understand what they need to do to get where they want to go. And that has been incredibly rewarding for me. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't areas where I am still directive and I still step in and, and, and do that, but... I have found that probably 80% of the time I don't need to, and I can be much better sort of reflecting back what they're saying and um, struggling with, and they find their path, whether it's my kids, whether it's my wife, whether it's my peers at work, um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing to see what other people can do if you just shut up. And listen. Right. And and that's something that doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. And well, I don't think it comes naturally to most people. I think it's a, a something that I know I need to work on as well. And I think it's great that that you're making progress with it because I don't feel like I am. 
Um, but, but people don't necessarily want to be fixed. They want to be heard and they want a sounding board and they want to be supported, but they don't need to be fixed. Um, and I think that that's, that's fantastic that you got there because I, I certainly have not. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting because I think I was always decent at this when it came to meeting friends in the limb loss, limb difference community. I think I listened a lot more there, but then in every other aspect of my life, I kind of tossed that out and just became this guy who was very, very directive and trying to solve every problem. As you said, when no one was asking for a solution, they just, they just wanted to be heard. Um, so I find it interesting that I probably was always better in this space than I was everywhere else. And yet I never sort of connected the dots. And now I think it's a combination of just sort of getting older it's a combination of being slightly less insecure. Um, and I think it also is, it is a function of just spending years and years where, um, or maybe not even years and years, but more recently where you just sort of come up against the reality that, you know, I'm not going to climb Everest. I'm not going to do all this crazy high end physical stuff anymore. And I'm often looking for workarounds. I'm looking for solutions. And that forces me to be much more collaborative than I used to be when it was all about me um, and me proving that I could do it. And uh, that is a, I I hope for people around me, at least it's a welcome change. I know that I'm happier this way. Then, then it's, that's really all that matters when you're happier. Everybody around you tends to fall into place. So we hope. So we hope hope. that is the goal. Yeah. So do you want to, do you want to try to maybe pull some threads together here for us? Yeah, let's. Um, so I think something that, that our victories have shown us is that uh, sometimes it's important to get outside of your comfort zone because that's really where growth happens. Um, you know, and, and we've both done that. You did that getting on stage with with Max. I did that, um, you know, with the turtle track. I, I do that on some definitely with the five. Actually, I think all of mine have pushed me out of my comfort zone. So, yep. Yeah. Um, overcoming the fear of failure is something else that that kind of contributes to those small victories. Um, it's a lot easier sometimes to take the safe route, especially when you have a perfectly valid reason that nobody will ever question. Nobody was ever going to ask me why I don't run a 5K. Um, so I could have stayed very complacent and not done it. Uh, but I wanted to prove that I wasn't going to fail. So kind of trying to push beyond that fear of failure is, is definitely uncomfortable, but that's where growth happens. Yep. Um, and just kind of accepting yourself as you are. And, and that in and of itself is a huge victory when you're comfortable with yourself and with your abilities and sometimes with your limitations that true growth can come from that as well. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a great sort of trifecta for for people to focus on, and you know, as as people get to the end of this podcast, you know, we would encourage everyone think about what are the little victories that you've had that you're particularly proud of, and please feel free to share them with us. And Peggy, why don't you let people know where they can do that? Uh, you can tr- share them with us on Facebook. You can share them with us on Twitter. It's at, at Amped Life on Facebook at Amped Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can share them with us through our mighty network, which is ampedlife.com. 
we talked about our Mighty Network uh, in the last podcast. We would love for you to join it and to j- jump into the conversation. So drop your small victories into the Mighty Network um, so that we can celebrate each other and lift each other up. Or if, if social is not your way to go and you're like Peggy and Dave, I listen to your podcast, but that's about as far um, as I'm going to go. Uh, email them to us at uh, info at ampedlife.org um, so that we can kind of give you a shout out in our newsletter and, um, you know, celebrate each other. Awesome. Well, that's a great discussion, Peggy. I appreciate you uh, coming up with the topic. And um, I think it was... I, you know, you learn a little bit about yourself when you talk through these things. So I love having these types of discussions. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. So let's meet again next week, Dave. Sounds good, Peggy. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.